Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. Everyone's got their process. No one should apologize for it. People should explore and experiment. Your artists, be bold, be brave, break some shit, and never ever apologize for it. You know, show up, be kind, be respectful, be there for your partners. Listeners, in the envelope listeners, welcome to another extra special episode of this Actorly podcast. Listen, Jared Leto joins us on the podcast today, and this in many ways was sort of a dream backstagey interview. Just to give you a little sneak peek of how the production process works for this podcast, I do this thing where I transcribe the entire interview and then proceed to go through and highlight the sections or the quotes from the interview that are relevant to backstage readers that that might be of interest to early career actors, mid-career actors, late career actors, artists of all types. I mean, Jared Leto is also a musician and a director and a filmmaker and an, a visual artist. But um, I can always tell when an interview is a really good one when practically half of the transcript is highlighted. And that was the case here with Jared who is sort of the dream in terms of talking about acting techniques and crafts and the many different ways that he attempts to create and get into and remain in character. We talked a lot about his work as Paolo Gucci in Ridley Scott's House of Gucci, which has just received the Cast Ensemble nomination at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Jared was also individually nominated. It was a great way to get into his personal techniques, but also kind of his advice for all working artists or working actors. I love what he said about prosthetics because he wore a lot of prosthetics as Paolo Gucci. If you've seen the posters or if you've seen the film, he's practically unrecognizable. But as he points out here, it's not the prosthetics that make the character. We, we talked about outside in versus inside out, but it's more like you just need to know your character inside and out. You need to know their backstory. You need to be able to know them down to the bone so that you can improvise and ad lib in the moment. That's what apparently a lot of this movie came from. And uh, you can't base the character chiefly on the prosthetics. It's better to have no prosthetics at all, is what he said, which I thought was really interesting. He's also starring in the upcoming We Crashed, which is the Apple TV miniseries about uh, WeWork, and Morbius, which is Marvel and Sony's next big superhero, supernatural superhero film. And so it's a really exciting time to talk to Jared. Happy birthday, Jared. He recently turned 50, which you would not know it. But otherwise, over at Backstage, I mean, we are in full swing with award season. Uh, The Directors Guild, Writers Guild, and Producers Guild have all announced their, their film nominations. That's the day of this podcast release, the 27th. But the Cinema Audio Society Awards have also announced their nominations. And next week, we will hear from BAFTA, their British Film Academy Award nominations. So... 
It's really a race that's coming together, and in the meantime, I'm so thrilled to continue to talk to all of the many contenders up for these awards, including Jared. I can't thank him enough for joining us. This was such a great interview. Without further ado, let's take a quick break and then get to Academy Award winner, Jared Leto. For your awards consideration, The White Lotus, the HBO original series nominated for two SAG awards for performances by Murray Bartlett and Jennifer Coolidge. A sharp social satire following the exploits of hotel guests and employees at an exclusive Hawaiian resort over the span of one highly transformative week, The White Lotus is praised as a finely honed, breathtaking bit of acting. Don't miss what critics call beautiful and unforgettable performances by Bartlett and Coolidge. The White Lotus is now streaming on HBO Max. Jared Leto is an Academy Award-winning actor well-known for his transformative and, as he calls them, immersive screen performances. The musician, filmmaker, and actor broke into Hollywood with My So-Called Life, going on to star in Prefontaine, Requiem for a Dream, Panic Room, Dallas Buyers Club, and Suicide Squad as the Joker. He'll next star in the supernatural superhero film Morbius, and as Adam Newman in Apple's We Crashed, and is currently Critics' Choice and Screen Actors Guild Award nominated for his Paolo Gucci in Ridley Scott's House of Gucci. Here is The Incredible. Jared Leto. Thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Congratulations on all your many accolades right now. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the time today. I'm excited uh, to talk with you. Yeah. Um, you've spoken backstage before. And as you, as you know, we are all about the craft and career advice we're all about your deepest, darkest acting secrets, and I know that you love talking about that. So I think listeners are going to get um, a lot out of hearing about your process. Well, I certainly hope so. If not, uh, I will give them their money back. Money back <laughs> guarantee. Right. Well, so um, again, congratulations on House of Gucci and all of these many. The SAG nomination, I got to ask you about the, I gotta, I'm going to ask you about ensemble acting, spoiler alert. But um, talk to me about House of Gucci. I I just read that you were sent the script for another role and were instead connected with Paolo, but you didn't know anything about what he looked like or sounded like. Is that true? Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, and I, I, you know, that, I think that's a kind of a probably a really healthy way to approach projects is to to, to keep an open mind. I mean, a lot of times people don't know what you're looking to do. Uh, a lot of times you don't know what you're looking to do, and you know, being surprised is is always really exciting because it means that you connected, uh, that there's a spark somewhere. But when I read this script, um, it was to look uh, at a different part, and then something about Paolo just jumped off the page for me. I I immediately responded and connected with a character I didn't know what he looked like, but uh, you know, I really identified with um, his desire to be an artist is. The fact that he wanted to do something special with his life and to share that with people and, you know, that he hoped to do something special with his life. And uh, and I related a lot to his failures, I think, which is, you know, very common for us artists. And um, I loved his heart and humor. And I saw that there was a clear opportunity to really build on those, both both his heart and his humor. 
there were indications of that in the script, but it, it wasn't it wasn't really what it became. So oftentimes if there's room for things to grow, if you see that opportunity, it means probably you're walking down the right path. Mm. This is super cool to hear. I was actually, I wanted to maybe ask about drama versus comedy and how you approach both and in the context of Paolo, but I love how you just said it's it's heart and humor. I mean, is it safe to say every character has both of those things and that's a way into playing them? For sure. I mean, in the case of Paolo, um, you know, it could have been played a different way. Could have been played almost like the villain in a way, uh, a bit two-dimensional or or one of the antagonists of the script. But instead, I really pushed on his desire to be heard by the people that were closest to him, the people that loved him the most were the people that supported him the least. There was a lot of conflict, a lot of trauma in that family. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a really interesting character and family to explore. And, uh, you know, for the people that have seen the film out there, it's probably easy to understand uh, that I fell in love with the opportunity and I fell in love with the character and, you know, but humor versus, you know, comedy versus drama. I mean, I think it all comes from the same place. As I've gotten older, I, I always look for opportunities for humor. It's, it's something I spend a great deal of time with. I mean, even when I did um, little things to me was quite, I thought I found the guy quite funny. He's had a bizarre sense of humor, you know, talking about like, tacos and you know potato skins or something i don't know there was all kinds of wild things that were coming out of my mouth and uh i usually find that the you know the 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 humor the improv is where the humor is and uh, vice versa and on this project with house gucci there was a, a lot of improvisation a lot of ad-libbing and yeah i really enjoy that i i enjoy you know i think you know, when you're younger, you're, I've always loved, you know, when I go to the, used to go to the video store, I go to the drama section. And I've always, um, I've always appreciated that. But as I've gotten older, I, I, I've been attracted to, to comedy and, and finding that in some of the most challenging moments, the most heartbreaking moments. I think there's always an opportunity for humor. Life is like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, and and when you say comedy, when you're talking about it in this way, to clarify, like, you are imbuing these characters with a sense of humor. However, you're also thinking about comedy in the sense of, like, what is going to be funny to an audience? Like, are you thinking about the laugh? Are you thinking about how this is going to appear comedically? No, I think it's what tickles me to sound like an old uh, grandpa, but uh, that my grandma would always <laughs> oh, that tickles me. But, uh, you know, to find what... what tickles me and and I have a you know it's pretty dry sense of humor as well but I love you know Paolo could be so sincere about uh, something but it could be quite funny as well and yeah the physical humor is also something that I explored a lot with with Paolo <laughs> um you know just the way he moves sometimes the way he would look sometimes I I, I you know it could be quite funny I, and I remember like I would look at Ridley and this shows you how attentive he is. You know, we'd be at a scene or we'd be talking or he'd be talking to someone. And I would just look at him and he would he'd be watching me. He would just start breaking out laughing. Oh, wow. Because, uh, you know, Paolo is a very inquisitive guy. He's a curious person. He's mischievous. He's got that impish kind of spirit. And yeah, he's a lot of fun to spend time with, you know. Uh, and I, and I, I, I absolutely adored this experience. 
Of course. Well, and you mentioned physicality, and of course I needed to ask you about this. This There's prosthetics and costuming and makeup, but then there's also, as you say, physicality of the walk, the accent. I got to ask you about accents. What, how much of the of the ratio of the performance, like what percentage do each of those contribute, I guess, in this case? I mean, it's everything. You know, I'm, I'm, when I take on a role, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed. I want to know everything. And I want to know, you know, I want to know what, what my character's favorite uh, food is. I want to know, you know the last time he took a shower. I want to know, is he right hand? Is he left hand? What's his middle name? Tell me your sign. You know, when were you born? What was your favorite television show? I kind I love to investigate all of it. I I want to know, uh, you know, how many fillings the guy has. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I want to know everything uh, because you never know when it's going to pay off. And a lot of that stuff in moments of improvisation or ad lib is really, it's a beautiful thing to understand so much to have that information how and where you use it could be a bit obtuse or elusive, you know, um, to kind of track down exactly where it paid off, but it certainly does. And, um, you know, I know wonderful actors that, that really don't spend that much time doing that kind of work, but I really enjoy it for me. It's, um, it's an important part of the process, the who, what, where, when, why, how, all of that stuff and building character. And for me, once you have character, you're free you know, and uh, that's a beautiful place to be. Right. So it's both a bunch of preparation and it sounds like backstory, which some, which often you're inventing, right? Yeah. But then there in the moment. As far as transformation goes, just, you know, it doesn't matter, like prosthetics, it's it's pointless. It's just rubber. If (laughs) you don't do the work, if you don't have the heart, the soul and the spirit. It's, yeah. it's really, it's meaningless. You're better off getting the heart, soul, and spirit and don't do the physical part of it than you are to do the physical part and then not have the other half that's needed. But I enjoy immersive work. I mean, I think it's no secret that I've, you know, I'm passionate about that. And, you know, I'm all, I've always been fascinated by that. And, you know, I feel really fortunate that I have the opportunity to work that way so often or just work that way, period. Yeah, I mean, is it safe to call it an outside-in approach? But as you say, the the emphasis, the in, is really important. You know, I make music as well. I'm in a band called mm-hmm. 30 Seconds Tomorrow's. And, you know, I was just talking about this yesterday. Um, you know, when I write lyrics, I often am writing them while I'm singing. I don't sit down and write lyrics and then send them, sing them. Some people do it that way. Oh, okay. You know, uh, I think Bob Dylan did it that way. Maybe he did a little bit of both. But you know, some people sit down and type out kind of poems and then they sing them. Hmm. And uh, But I'm, I always uh, kind of sing in the shape and the vowel sounds and the lyrics kind of start to come. And then they make, you know, uh, there's they're something that happens, a direction. And, um, and you follow that. You know, I discover by doing. And I think that it's the same for me with acting. I wouldn't call it outside in um, because sometimes there are certain things like as soon as you read something, it's you're on the inside. Like when I read Hasaguchi, you're starting on the inside because mm-hmm. it's your imagination. It's your something grabs a hold of your heart. So, yeah, it, it, it's a little bit of both. But, you know, you can do things on the outside that and this is a bit of a cliche to talk about. But, you know, you, you can give someone five different pairs of shoes and you can, it makes them walk five different ways. Yeah. You know, you put a big steel-toed 
combat boot on versus a high heel, you're going to walk differently. Yeah. Character is going to be different. If you have one nice pair of shoes and you never want to get them dirty, maybe you're going to walk a little different. You know, there are a lot of things like that that come into play and that, that maybe that's a little bit of the outside. Uh, and For sure. And how much of this is affected but by just the... just to, to go back to it, yeah, the reason, oh, yeah. you know, it's all, it's all connected because if you do have that one pair of shoes and you don't want to get them dirty, that, that of course, is about the inside as well because that's it's inside. about the, yeah. the, the circumstances, the history of the character. Yeah, so it, go, it goes both ways. That's what you mean about, like, knowing the character that well that maybe in a moment of improv, you're able to respond like you just know them to the bone and therefore. And so that's where I want to ask about ensemble acting. Like here you are nominated as a, as a SAG ensemble, which I love, I just love this award. I love this idea of an ensemble award. How does improv work in terms of listening? What is great listening and acting and what is chemistry? (laughs) Good questions. And um, just to wrap up the other thing, you know, for me, these characters are almost like real people, you know, that they're, 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 I, they, they, um, they're like living, breathing entities to me, you know, and, and, and uh, I, I really uh, grow quite attached to them and, you know, kind of create for myself a deep empathy, uh, understanding for them. And, uh, mm. you know, it's quite an amazing, uh, the, the older I get to, I'm just always struck with that incredible and acute sense of gratitude and humility that, you know, we, that I get to do this you know I'm, sure. I'm very 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 fortunate um and uh i do feel like it's it's not only my job to show up and do the best that i can but it's also my job to show up and be kind and collaborative and um mm. prepared and that's that's really important to me and i think that that probably leads to the ensemble of it all and mm. you know in this case it was for house of gucci i had the opportunity to work with legends that I adore and, and, you know, new actors that, uh, that I really think the world of. So yeah, it was a dream. I mean, Al Pacino, we could start there playing my father, you know, just a a guy that through his work taught me what acting is about. He taught me about ambition, about making strong choices, about behavior, about being bold and taking risks. Um, and I really, you know, got a chance to thank him for that. And um, he was a perfect partner in crime. Most of my scenes were with Al. And, you know, it's just a joy to see, too, that at his age, he's in his, his 80s now. And, you know, he's, 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 uh, he's a humble man. Hmm. You know, he, there's no movie star bullshit there. Interesting. And um, he's generous. He's kind. And he's supportive. And he really, that, that partnership was a beautiful gift that he gave me and his faith in me and his encouragement to, you know, um, to keep pushing and do the deep dive like I do. And it was awesome to get that, um, that approval and that, that encouragement from him as an artist. So yeah, a really a beautiful experience working with him. And you were talking about listening and, um, what did you say? The other thing, listening and uh, maybe chemistry. I think chemistry. I feel like chemistry is a little yeah, bit less. With, with uh, that, that, that's a good thing to talk about with 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 Al. I mean, it's probably hard not to have chemistry. Mm. Um, you know, when you're playing with somebody that's so experienced, sure, and experience is is often underrated, 
and my mm-hmm. book, not overrated. Uh, mm. But, you know, they have the ability to listen well, to respond. And, um, you know, I think chemistry is a combination of being able to be there for your partner, mm. to be interested and supportive and engaged with them. I think that's kind of chemistry as well. You can talk about some natural spark people have. If if you have an affection for someone, and, and that can be interesting, but sometimes two people just have a little bit of a spark and, you know, there's a never ending amount of improv. There's, you know, something happens when you look in their eyes, they really kind of see each other rather than just these blank dead stares that are furiously trying to remember their lines. They're, they're like really there. Um, and I've had that experience so many times where, it's a beautiful thing if you know you, you go off script or you improv and, and people are right there. They're not destroying the scene or trying to outdo one another, but there's this graceful kind of ebb and flow. And I certainly felt that on House of Gucci with everyone, with Lady Gaga, with Adam Driver, with uh, Jeremy Irons, and with Alan. You know, um, and I improved a lot in every scene. I, I did a lot of ad libs and uh, physical improvisation. And I found a lot of I found acceptance and and support from the entire cast. It was a really beautiful. It was beautiful all around, all the way around. Well, I think that what you just mentioned about improv is an important important element in it successfully, which is like not trying to outdo, not trying to go bigger for the sake of I don't know hogging the spotlight or trying to one up or make it a competition. Right, like it is about. How do we make this scene? How do we make this story excel? Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 sometimes it's okay if it is competitive because that's a okay. great that's that's a great thing. I mean, there's there's there are different sides of competition, right? Sure. There's there's competition for ego's sake, and there's a competition, there's a friendly competition. I mean, in life, we compete with one another, um, and you know, mm-hmm. there there's a there's a kind of a a dark side of it that has to do with greed or jealousy and that's an ugly thing and you can feel it very quickly on a set i haven't felt it in in a very long time um but i I have certainly felt it before more often i find you know generosity and excitement and you know look it's dangerous when you step off the edge like that and Hmm. you know you fail often but uh you can find you know beautiful moments i think and and the broken pieces as you're putting them back together you find the truth hmm. and you are compelled to the moment that that's sacred moment, that great cliche that we talk about, but you're compelled to that sacred moment. And in that moment, the truth arises and you find something miraculous. So I, but I do think a little bit of a competition is, is, is great. Even if sometimes cool. it's with, with yourself, you know, and, uh, Sure. You know, and, and I, I certainly have that. I've been taking fairly, I would say, ambitious swings. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the last, uh, I don't know, uh, eight years or so, I'm, I'm really not interested in anything else, to be honest. Sure. I want to destroy things. You know, I want to I wanna make myself reconsider what's possible with acting, you know, to put a dent in this proverbial creative universe 
And I think it's good. It's okay for us to have that ambition, you know, leave a little, you know, to not be shy or as we say in acting terms, don't be polite, which I do think is a beautiful acting cliche. It gets thrown around a lot is uh, don't be polite. I love that. And, I, you know, I say to people too is, and I try I remind myself, don't ask for permission mm. from anyone, from your director, your writer, your your agent. Don't ask for permission. Hmm. Go and take the swing. Yeah. You know? And it also all, it all comes back to the what you mentioned about experience. Like by living life and getting to know yourself more, you do know more of what you want. And it is about just then advocating for it. Yeah. I just think as an artist, like, you know, I can't name one great artist in any vertical. Yeah. If it was painting or music or, you know, whether it's Miles Davis or Warhol, none of them got to where they were. None of them would have made the work that they did if they waited around and asked permission to do so, if they were polite about it. And took big swings, took big risks, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, you will be condemned and criticized on that path, but it's, uh, it's an important one to walk down. Well, and is the criticism, I mean, is that just inevitable? Is that just part of the gig? I think so. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you look at Andy Warhol's life, you know, he was one of the most celebrated, but also one of the most criticized artists to ever walk the face of the planet. Hmm. And I think that's okay. I mean, uh, like I said, you got to break sometimes and it's okay to fail and to be wrong hmm. and to be bad and to miss yeah. I'd rather someone fail dramatically than 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 not take a swing at all. Me too. Yeah, that's it's actually that's why it's so cool to hear that the very first thing you said about Paolo is that he's an artist, and then you mentioned his failures. Like, I want to ask about where your personal experience plays into these characters and how you draw from that. And the life of an artist involves risk and it involves failure, right? <laughs> you also yeah. told us in an interview that you you took great pride in quote not having a plan B in terms of pursuing a life in the arts. Yeah, yeah, I never did. I mean, I just showed up in California with a backpack and a couple hundred bucks. And, That's awesome. You know, sleeping on the beach in Venice. Yeah. After a very strange experience at a a, a hostel <laughs> that I oh. tried to rent a room in for three dollars a night. I think it was two or three dollars a night. Uh, very, very, very bizarre experience. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a. A lot of the times we put limitations on ourselves that others don't even have for us. Mm. I do it all the time. And I fail more than anybody I've ever met in my life. Um, but, you know, I recognize the education that comes along with that, you know? The, sure. And, and when you say you fail more than anyone, it's because that's in your head. Those are, that's your perceptions of your failure. No, no, no. I don't know. It could be, a lot of people could. You mean objectively. <laughs> but yeah, I think I have objective. I fail. <laughs> not just fail and oh i'm i'm because i'm taking risks yeah and learning taking risks you know I, I rock climb and and you know failure is you're not climbing without failing interesting and, and when you're working on a route and you're failing often they call it projecting hmm. kind of an interesting term you know when you think about acting is yeah. where, where you're working on character or you're even shooting a film it's like I would often, and I do this regularly, I, I like to do a take where we try and fail. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's, let's break things a bit. Yeah. 
and that's a beautiful opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I ask about uh, We Crashed? Because I yep. feel like that's another example of, is there overlap between you and these characters sometimes? Like, that seems to be a show about fame and celebrity. Well, I went from House of Gucci straight into We Crashed. And that I think one of the biggest challenges was making sure the character didn't bleed from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I did an Italian accent right into an Israeli accent. And little did I know, they're actually very similar in many ways when you break down the language and the sounds. Of course, they're, they have major differences, but they have a lot of common ground in certain sounds. But I was lucky because the character was that you know they both had their they were strong characters they were they were characters in and of themselves so that helped a lot. But again, another you know um, big swing on an immersive opportunity and uh, you know I, I just adored the experience. Uh, I, the character was was and is nuanced and complicated and and, and rich and. Uh, and one of a kind, Um, and I had a lot of fun with it. For your awards consideration, Succession, the HBO original series nominated for five SAG awards, including Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Drama Series. Season three finds Waystar Roy co-CEO Logan Roy in a perilous position, scrambling to secure familial, political, and financial alliances as tensions rise and a bitter corporate battle threatens to turn into a family civil war. Don't miss what critics call extraordinary performances from the finest drama ensemble on television. Succession is now streaming on HBO Max. It's so funny you mentioned the the bleeding between the roles because I wanted to ask you about leaving characters behind. Like because you have such an immersive experience with these characters and often not a lot of time between the roles, do you ever find that they stick with you or do you ever are you are you reluctant to let them go? I'm always reluctant to let them go. I mean, my God, like I work f***ing hard. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, and at the end of the movie, most of your time is not spent in front of the camera acting. Yeah. Uh, for me, the way that I work too, I get to spend a little bit more time with that character, exploring, preparing, staying really focused. And uh, yeah, when I'm done, I think it's okay for, I know some people have, this ability just like, oh, turn it off, I'm done, I walk away. And that's that's great. I, I respect that. But I also think it's okay if you take your time with it. There there are certain, you know, aspects of maybe someone's sense of humor or the way that they might laugh or the way that they walk. There are certain physical habits that you can make if you stay committed for a certain amount of time that you can be, oh, whoops, I did that again, or I said that again, or I responded in that way. You know, you can have uh, maybe some melancholy if you if you were in a place that was, you know, a script that was pretty dark. I remember after Requiem for a Dream, it was like, holy guacamole, it needed uh, to cleanse the mind and spirit after that one. And that that's okay. There's no, there's no crime about that. It, and the other thing I want to say, because I know as actors looking at this, like everyone's going to have their process. Everyone's going to have their method. I don't use that term because it's been perverted by people who don't understand it. Sure. You know, and just misconstrued and misunderstood. You know, it's misunderstood. So I just stay away from it. You know, I love immersive acting. I love character. I'm excited by it. I'm enthralled. I'm curious. I'm eternally fascinated. 
everyone's got their process. No one should apologize for it. People should explore and experiment. You're artists. Hmm. Be bold, be brave, break some shit, and never, ever apologize for it. You know, show up, be kind, be respectful, be there for your partners, be there for your director, but don't be afraid to, to really challenge even your own expectations of what's possible. Yeah, that was pure gold. Yeah. And I think it's 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 also a process of, I'm guessing you're not, I mean, you mentioned there are things that you do every time, but it sounds like for every role, you are looking for the opportunity to reinvent not just yourself, but reinvent the process of creating a character, right? Absolutely. Because what worked for one won't work for another. And uh, you know, you never know what's going to be the key that unlocks the door. Sometimes there's many doors, many keys. Um, but yeah, absolutely, and it's important to remember that. But you know, want to keep evolving. What happens when it's not working, or when you have done all the work of the character, or, or just you just feel like something's not clicking? I mean, maybe this hasn't happened to you in in recent years, but for especially for actors at the beginning of their their career, maybe they're working with material that's not as you know, sensitively constructed. Well, for the I think the most the most common the most common reason things aren't working is when people aren't prepared. Okay, sure. Your nerves take over. Mm. You don't know your words. You don't know character. You don't have an understanding of the circumstances. You haven't done your research. You haven't done your work. Mm. You could also be exhausted, so you got to get sleep. You got to get you take care of yourself. You got to you know make sure that you're not starving and you know or that you don't have things that are interfering with your work. So you, you check all of that, those boxes first. That's great and advice. I have a moment on We Crash where I was like, whoa, something just happened in this scene and where I was, it just, I don't know what it was. And I really had to steal myself because I thought, whoa, this is, this is interesting. I haven't felt this in many years. But I think the, the antidote for me is to try to destroy your own expectations. And, and like I said before is, you know, break the scene. Yeah. You know, ask your, your director's permission. Um, if they already, you know, you have an understanding with people, then just do a take where you're really going to go to someplace wrong, maybe. Hmm. And of course, you know, if you're, oh, every, if everyone's bat their head up and gets the one that's not working, then, you know, you do what any great actor does. You blame the writer. <laughs> yeah, you just do the best you can. And hope that, that the best you can. but sometimes you gotta understand you're your I've had many times where I thought that, oh God, that was just <laughs> so off the mark. And it ended up not being. Ah. Know, our perception, our reality, a lot of times, even in a conversation, an interview or whatever, you know, you could feel like, well, geez, this just isn't working. Or you talk to someone and you just got, God, I felt really uncomfortable. They, they, they don't know what the f is going on. That's true. And it doesn't matter. You might not feel it. And, and it, it's, it's hubris hmm. to demand that things should be a certain way. You, you need to ride that wave. And if you have a scene and you're supposed to be breaking down and emotional and you feel like a dead corpse, well, guess what? Maybe that's what your character felt like at that time too. And yeah. then in, in it, but it could still affect the other people. Maybe you know, there's a reason for that. Hmm. Absolutely. You got you to be accepting of what happens from moment to moment. Now, does all of that also apply to auditions? You've, you've also said that you just hate auditioning, which of course has been said a lot on this podcast. 
Yeah, I, I, who, 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 the person that enjoys auditions, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> might have a true sociopath in our midst, but <laughs> but no, some people are good at it. So, and people enjoy what they're good at. And they, I just would be a nervous wreck, hmm. sick, like sick with nerves, not excited with nerves, like on a roller coaster, but like sick. And I've also learned that the way that I work isn't conducive to auditions. It's I mean, like how do you yeah. audition Paolo? Right. How do you, yeah, six hours of I, prosthetics and. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And then the, with the dialect and the, the other, because yeah. you can't go in and just wing that dialect. You, you got to mm. know it. It's got to be, you know, you've got to convince yourself. And sometimes there's not time for that. But I do know that, you know, you should never talk yourself out of auditions. You know, sometimes people are like, they get nervous and at this and they start uh-huh. talking. Don't do it. Do it. Do them all. Turn the, the job down after you get it. Oh, that's if, great advice. Yeah, just because we do that. Well, the cheese, I don't know. And, uh, well, this one there, and I don't want to play this role. And I shouldn't, you know, and really you're just terrified or you're intimidated, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, but but do them all. It's batting practice. And then yeah. say after the fact. Yeah, that's that's actually really good advice. And I love this idea of like, you got to convince yourself. And in an audition, that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. And I mean, thankfully, some people saw past my, you know, brutal auditions and, uh, you know, gave me opportunities and, uh, you know, but uh, it's, it's, it's a hard one. My, my heart goes out to people and I've been on the other side too, picking and, 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 you know, choosing people for films and projects. It's heartbreaking for me because I just want to hire everybody. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, can't we give all well, they, yeah, they, maybe we'll say no, but can't we give them another role? Can we, can we write something for this person? And mm. I'm just too soft. <laughs> well, is there anything from those early career days? Like, is there anything you would change? Anything you wish you'd known or done differently? Nah, <laughs> who cares? You know I mean? It's like, I, I guess the thing that, that, you know, I would say to my younger self is just, you know, to take a deep breath and to not worry so much. I think so many of us as actors, it's such a, it can be such a brutal career. And, you know, it, it's really a, it's a fucking ass kicker, you know? And it's easy to see the peaks, but there are a lot of valleys for all of us, a lot of valleys. And, uh, you know, I had many a dark days wondering if I would ever be able to work as an actor in the way that I dreamed of. And um, whenever I meet an actor, I always have, you know, a, that, that connection because I know we all walk through the, the, the shadow of the valley of death or whatever the, the line, whatever that line is. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we all walk that precarious path. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting you say this thing about peaks and valleys because I almost feel like the point of this podcast is to only, we are we're only talking to people on the peaks. We're not necessarily interviewing somebody who's going through the biggest dry spell of their career and asking about when it's like there. Yeah, but there's a lot, you know, there are a lot and, oh, and yeah. it, it happens. And, you know, I mean, I took six years off before Dallas Buyers Club, you know, mm-hmm. and I was making music and touring, but, you know, I didn't, I was actually retired. I didn't really have any plans to come back to acting. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a very competitive. It's a very challenging profession and, and craft, and a lot of times you're at war with yourself as well, and you know your perceived abilities, your confidence, or you know, 
it's a, it's a, it's a wild one, but a rewarding one as well. And it rewards you more over time again with that life experience. It's like part of perseverance is just hanging on and knowing that you're going to be able to incorporate everything that, especially for acting, it can be a late in life craft. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing about it. I mean, really you can do gorgeous work and there, you know, we could list a, a thousand actors that have done such masterful, beautiful work, you know, late in their life. Yeah. Um, and you get richer, you know, your voice gets richer, your face gets richer, your, you know, you have stories to tell. And, um, yeah, I love watching older actors. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a, a joy for me. I mean, I, I really, I really admire that. Absolutely. Um, I also think it's just a really difficult thing to be able to articulate and talk about. It's a very mysterious craft and you, thank you for just like, you're doing a great job of, of shedding light on it and, and not in a way that's reducing it, I think, which is really tricky. <laughs> I appreciate it. Can I ask you, um, last couple kind of nerdy actually questions? Yep. Um, one is about superhero acting. Is there a key to superhero acting? Do you think of it differently, the Joker or Morbius, as opposed to another role? Nah, it's all the it's same. All the same. Okay. I mean, some people are the superhero they're playing. And that's always interesting too. Oh, you what know, do you mean? I just mean they're they're almost they're they're something about their persona. Hmm. It's almost like they they're they're hired because of what they exhibit. And their personalities, you know, and, and that's, that's really fascinating too. Wow. So is that something, is that something you think about like, um, almost star power? Well, no, because, uh, I, I love movie stars as that's what I call them. Yeah. Um, I love movie stars and, you know, classic movie stars where you, you, you really like, I don't need those people to go and work on character. I, I love them too. There and there's a ton of them that we all love. We love to watch them do what they do, and they do so well. You know, I put George Clooney can do both. Some yeah. people do them both so well. You know, but uh, there are some personalities out there that are you know just so compelling that you're just love to spend time with those people. You know, and then then sometimes people can flip it like Jack Nicholson. You just love when he's Jack, you know, but he can also do anything. He does a little bit of both. Anyway, I love actors and I love acting and I love all kinds of different acting. Mm -hmm. You know, Peter Sellers is a big inspiration for me. And uh, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis and Denzel Washington, Al Pacino, you know, I just uh, adore actors. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you for your favorites. Um, I also wanted to ask, is there, a, is there something you've seen recently maybe, or just a performance that you think actors should see and study? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would say you, you should watch, uh, you know what's funny? I, I got to say, um, I wasn't going to say this, but 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 it kind of jumped out, out at me. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Adam Driver in The Last Duel was really, mm. really good. Mm -hmm. It was like, he 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 was on fire in that, but I you know what I was gonna say is is watch uh, Peter Sellers and being there, that's a, a gorgeous yeah. performance. Yeah, and another performance that people haven't really seen a lot is Christopher Walken, and um and uh, Heaven's Gate, which is a film a lot of people haven't seen. It was it was a big a disaster on the time of its release. It's a big commercial um, failure, but uh, 
it's quite a beautiful film and he's incredible in it. I love, uh, I love Robert Redford uh, and Jeremiah Johnson, uh, mm. kind of an overlooked performance, uh, I feel like. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I love movies. I can recommend 100,000 movies. Mm. So, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm a, a bit obsessed with, with movies and acting for much of my life. Which is another uh, good ingredient to have as an actor, I feel like. Yeah. And, you know, it's always great to find an actor and then to watch everything they've ever done, you know, and there's so many great actors to do that with, whether it's Anthony Hopkins or, you know, Denzel is a great actor to watch because he's always good. He's never, he never, he's never, even if a movie doesn't work, he's never not been great in a movie. Yep. So th- those are the people I look to have like that have careers, you know, not, not moments, but, but careers that I can, that, that is inspiring for me. Totally. Gosh, thank you so much, Jared. This is so, so enlightening. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate it. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.